This is a Soulfire production. You're listening to the Simply Be podcast, episode number 256. Well, hello, my beautiful friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Simply Be podcast. Oh my God, I'm smiling from ear to ear because this episode, this interview, this conversation is pure light, pure vibration of humanity, of a new consciousness, of what I'm trying to create in the world. And it's with somebody that I have long, long admired and has been a teacher to me and to so many people that I know and work with. And it was just such a gift to welcome him onto my show today, to share him with all of you. And I I just can't wait to introduce you to him. But before I do, I just want to welcome you officially to the Simply Be podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Jessica Zweig. I am the founder and CEO of the Simply Be Agency. We are an internationally recognized personal branding firm located in Chicago and Nashville, serving clients across the world. I'm a number one best-selling author of the book, Be a No Bullshit Guide to Increasing Your Self-Worth and Net Worth by Simply Being Yourself. That is really at the core of what I teach on this podcast. We talk about net worth, building a business, building a brand, building a platform, how to reach an audience, how to scale credibility, how to become a thought leader in your industry so that you can, you know, make some money and grow your financial freedom and live an abundant life because we all deserve that. But also self-worth, who we be who we truly are, who we are simply being without any of that extra stuff. Just the fact that we were born, we matter. The fact that we were born, we have power. The fact that we were born, we have intrinsic value. And that, my friends, is the journey within that has nothing to do with the marketing platforms and social media accounts and businesses we create. It has everything to do with the spiritual path to really unlock our light to know that our DNA, based on the fact that no one else is you, based on science on this planet filled with eight plus billion people, is your gift and what you're really here to flex. And so we talk about all of the things on the Simply Be podcast because I don't think that there's a distinction. I think it's one and the same. To build an integrated, unapologetically authentic brand means that you have to become an integrated, unapologetically authentic human actually a spiritual being having a human experience. And if you've been listening to my show, you already know that. If you don't know that because you haven't been listening, welcome. I'm so happy you're here. Each month on the Simply Be podcast, we pick a different theme. We pick a new intention to dive into, to unpack through my solos and interviews that come to life every single month here. And in the month of August, if you're listening to this, at least in real time and linear time, but time isn't linear. So that's just a fun fact in another conversation. But In the month of August, 2023, we're talking about what it means to be a hustler, right? The conversation of hustle and really unpeeling and reframing that word. And what I really loved about having light walk-ins on my show this month, we talk really more than anything about what it means to be a spiritual minimalist, which in many ways is the antithesis of being a hustler and stripping away, not the things that we own, but the things that we carry inside that simply don't serve us, that don't allow us to shine our brightest light and simply be. Because when we're simply being, we don't have to hustle. We just attract. And in his new book, Travel Light, Spiritual Minimalism to Live a More Fulfilled Life, which I read in preparation for this interview, and it really touched me. It really spoke to my soul. And I think if you're a part of my community, 
you know that this is my entire life's work is the spiritual conversation at large. And I, I cannot encourage going buying his book enough. It's, it will really reframe concepts that I think a lot of us know in a fresh perspective and a new take and really drop you into your heart and to see what it means to be a spiritual person differently. And so this is sort of the conversation I wanted to have this month. That's the antidote to hustle, the antidote to grinding and building and thinking that we need to amass all of these things on the outside with our hustle to know the truth of our value really comes from within and to move through life with this spiritual minimalist perspective. It just really spoke to me and I've been in light Watkins orbit for many years. He actually trained my husband a few years ago when Brian, my husband was going through his own stuff and, and light Watkins was passing through Chicago and, and Brian did a training with him and, and learned Vedic meditation, which is really incredible for lots of reasons, but it was just beautiful to finally meet him myself. And I think you're really going to love today's conversation. I think it's going to move you. He speaks with such resonance and it just wanted to reach through the zoom and give him so many hugs and high fives as he was talking, because it is in such alignment with my message and mission, but his way of framing it is his own. And I'm really excited to have him on my show today. So a little bit about Light Watkins. He is a Vedic meditation teacher, world renowned. He's the founder of The Shine, an international pop-up mindful variety show. He's a TEDx speaker. He has done keynotes across the world. He's spoken at Mind Body Green, Soho House, Wanderlust Festivals, Apple Summit, among many, many others. He's been featured in Forbes, Pop Sugar, The Guardian, Huffington Post, The New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Well and Good. He's a best-selling author of multiple books. He's delivered over 500 wellness-themed talks around the globe. He has his own programs. He has his own meditation courses. He's just this fully embodied spiritual teacher and is walking the walk, not just talking the talk. A quick backstory. In 2018, Light gave away all of his possessions, started living from a single carry-on bag, and a year later, he realized that he had even too much stuff in a carry-on bag and downsized to a backpack. And it was during this time that he really started developing this concept of spiritual minimalism, which really doesn't have to do with stuff. But what he learned in letting go of the stuff to find that true inner peace and inner value. And so this book breaks it down, but this conversation gives you the, the juice today. I know you're going to listen to it and really be even more encouraged to go buy his book, Travel Light, Spiritual Minimalism to Live a More Fulfilled Life. I'm just going to say you're welcome. You're welcome for bringing him onto my show. This is going to be probably one of the best things you'll hear all week. It'll lift your spirit. It'll touch your heart and it will remind you of who you really are and what you really came here to do which is maybe to hustle, but not in the way that you think, but to hustle for light. And without further ado, my friends, here is my incredible conversation with Light Watkins. Light, I just want to officially welcome you to the Simply Be podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you. I'm honored. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm honored. I've had 
big spiritual crush on you for a long, long time. So it's really cool to have you on my show right now. My first question I just got to know is light your birth name? Light's my whole world. So where did the, the name light come from? That's a, that's a good question. No, light was not my birth name. Light was the name that I was given back in 2005. And, um, and yeah, I just kind of went with it. And I still actually, it's not, I didn't legally change it, but I got some advice from another friend of mine in Los Angeles, where I was living at the time, who changed his name. There's lots of people in LA who rebranded themselves. <laughs> know all about rebranding. For sure. <laughs> but he gave me some really interesting advice. He said, because I went to him, I said, hey, I got this name. And I think I'm going to go all in because that's how I am. You know, I didn't want to give myself any, I'm a burn the boats type of person. And, and I said, how do you do it? Do you have to file paperwork? Do you have to, you know, how much does it cost? How long does it take? And he said, all you have to do is just start introducing yourself as light. And then eventually people will start calling you that, especially if you make yourself useful. Mm-hmm. So I consider myself to be a very useful person in life in general, you know, helping out a lot of people. And so I just started, I took his advice, started, started introducing myself as light. And then after, this is actually around the time that Facebook was first starting to become a thing. And, um, and I changed my Facebook name. And then once I did that, people just started calling me light. And it's been that way pretty much ever since, except for my Christian friends. They, they had a really hard time with calling somebody light. So, but even they came on board, even took them a few more years, but everybody eventually came around. Power of Facebook and, and branding yourself on social media, change your whole identity. It's that's funny. It's hard. Yeah. Well, you know, also the power, he was absolutely right. The power of people of making yourself useful. Cause when people need something from you, they'll call you whatever you want to be called. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> hey, uh, light, I need to borrow twenty. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I'll call you whatever. The dark light rainbow, whatever you want to be called. It's true. It's so true. We live in such an exciting time to be alive. Actually you can. And I love what you just said about being useful because it's not about you. It's about what you can give and what you're here to be of service toward. And, and so I, I know about you cause I've been following you for some, some time now, but when it comes to you using the word light to be useful, we're going to talk about your book a lot, but I want to get a little bit of background on how you've been useful with that word in your work. You are a meditation teacher, but you are, you're more than that. You do a lot of things. So just, just fill in my audience of your, your story and, and how you kind of got to be light Watkins. Sure. I've had many different careers at probably five or six different careers. And most recently, starting in 2007, I became a full-time meditation teacher. And then in 2014, I started speaking. And then I started writing in 2015. And I've written a few books. Now I'm, I'm kind of doing a mix of all of those things. I have a podcast. I have an online community where I teach people spiritual practices and hold them accountable to, to them. And I'm still writing my books and, and just doing daily writing. I have a daily dose of inspiration email that I send out every morning. I've been doing that since 2016. And yeah, I'm, I'm, my mission in life is to leave the world more inspired than I found it. And so that has provided me with a useful editor for making choices about what I'm going to be spending my time doing today, tomorrow, and in the future. So that's, that's what I'm up to. Yeah. Well, you're doing it, my friend. You're touching a lot of lives. 
on your email list. I've been following you on oh. social. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's cool to meet someone who's so truly integrated and, and clearly of service to, to do what you just said you're up to on this planet. And, you know, I read your recent book, your new book, it just came out. Congratulations. And I was like reading this. I'm like, man, he is, he is co-creating the new earth. He is a leader of the new earth founded upon the principles of, you know, oneness, harmony, love, light, you know, service. And this concept of minimalism, as you, as you shared in your book and, and all of us sort of understand that concept is sort of trendy and, and, you know, speaks to more of the material minimalism that I think many of us desire, but you've really pioneered this concept of spiritual minimalism. And I want to dig into the principles of it, but just broadly speaking, what share with us where it came from and what it means to be a spiritual minimalist. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I've been doing a lot of podcasts recently. I'm sure you have. (laughs) Promoting this book. And I was on a podcast that was a more traditional minimalism podcast um, the other day. And they were asking me questions about, you know, getting rid of, they were asking me questions from their audience really about getting rid of things and how do I travel with less? And I have kids and I want to try to apply more minimalism to my household. And I just, I didn't really have a whole lot of good answers to those questions, honestly, because that's not really what I'm interested in. So to answer your question, the difference in what I'm talking about versus what traditional minimalism is. Traditional minimalism is clearing space externally, mm-hmm. externally from the outside in, and in hopes of potentially having more peace inside. If I can get rid of this old couch, if I can get rid of my blender from, you know, three years ago that I haven't used. If I can get rid of the air fryer I only used one time, if I can get rid of the stuff in my closet and under my bed. Then I'm going to feel a sense of Zen inside. And, and my, my hypothesis for my readers is that that's actually not going to create any stable, stable sense of Zen. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe for like a day, you'll sure. feel a bit more peaceful than you would have felt otherwise if you lived in a cluttered space. But ultimately the way you've been feeling on average over the last several months and years is probably the way you're going to feel after the initial wave of Zen uh, fades away in a few days, once you make that external change. And that if you truly want to feel Zen and have it be stable, that's something you need to create from the inside out. And we need to apply the same principles of getting rid of the clutter, but internally as opposed to externally. And the way you do that is you get rid of the emotional baggage. You get rid of the internal toxicity. You get rid of the outdated belief systems that are holding you to a certain status quo in your life. That is the, probably the root cause of why you're accumulating all this stuff in the first place, thinking you need to control things a little bit more and you have an inability to let things go. And once you create spaciousness inside, doesn't mean you'll necessarily get rid of that old couch. It just means that you won't hold on to things as tightly anymore and you won't even know why. Mm. And, and it'll be a reflection of the peace that you have inside when you do decide to eventually part ways with something with someone or with a way of thinking. 
Beautiful. Beautifully stated. And you've really broken that down in your book, Spiritual Minimalism, in these principles that I really want to dig into. But before we get into some of my favorites, there there is this through line that you speak about in the book that sort of enters in every every chapter where you speak of the heart voice. And I'd never heard it said that that way. I have my interpretation of what that concept means, but I actually want to hear from you what that term really entails and and where that came from and what it is. Sure. So the heart voice refers to our intuition. It refers to what they call the still small voice of inner guidance. And um, I think it's something that we've all experienced to some degree. And I was at a workshop recently where I said that two people, their hands shot up. I've never heard my heart before. I never. (laughs) But here's the thing. When you're in a conundrum, when you're in a situation where you have the option of telling the truth or doing the right thing, but that's going to, you feel like that's going to make your life harder versus not telling the truth, not being authentic, not doing the right thing. And then that appears to be the easy path. There's something inside of all of us that tells us just to do the right thing. You should do the right thing. You should tell your truth. Right. Yeah. And yet we can talk ourselves out of it. There's another scenario. My buddy just told me about the other day. He was in a guitar store and he saw this Women, woman who he was attracted to in there by herself. She didn't have a ring on or anything like that. And she was asking about guitars and he's a big guitar enthusiast. And he goes, everything in me wanted to go talk to her and say hi. But lo and behold, he talked himself out doing that. And so if you had any of those kinds of situations, telling the truth, doing the right thing, going up and speaking to someone that you feel compelled to, that's your heart voice. Mm. So you have had that experience before, but a lot of times we talk ourselves out of it. Why? It's our ego trying to protect itself so that we don't get rejected, so that we don't make our life harder, so that we don't make ourselves uncomfortable. And it's, it's so prevalent in our life that we kind of, we follow that ego voice so much that the volume of the ego voice, also known as the head voice, is much louder than the volume of the heart voice. Right. And that's why they call it the still, the still, the still small voice. Because you can barely hear it if you're not intentionally getting quiet enough. Right. And so the whole idea behind introducing the heart voice in each of these principles throughout my book is showing people daily exercises that you can do to intentionally turn up the volume. And all you have to do is follow it more. The more you follow it, the louder it gets. And eventually it's no longer a still small voice. It's a loud, annoying voice. (laughs) That's where you want it to be. Just like the ego, the ego voice is loud and annoying saying, don't do that. You're going to embarrass yourself. Don't do that. You're going to make your your life harder. People are going to not like you. And we listen to that because it's loud and annoying. So, so the hard voice has to also be as loud and as annoying so that we can then consider it and ultimately follow through on it. Beautiful. Thank you for that. I want to tell you why I resonated with that so much on a personal level, that, that term, because, you know, I, I was sharing with you, my spiritual path is a huge, huge, huge part of my life. And for a long time, 
probably up until like the last year and a half of my life. And I'm 42. So I've been around a while. I've been on this. Yeah. Thank, thank you. <laughs> I just turned 42 three days ago. So it's, it's joy. It's, thank you. It's water. It's not drinking alcohol. What's the secret? Not, That's not- what I say. I say the biggest change because people are surprised I'm 50. What? And I say the big, yeah, I say the biggest, the biggest thing I've done in my life is I stopped drinking alcohol when totally. I was like 24, 25. Uh-huh. It's a game changer. And like even more than meditation, more than all that stuff, diet, just don't drink alcohol. Just don't drink alcohol. It does. It totally does. And I also think if I'm just going to say, you know, to be so bold on my podcast in front of everybody, like I think people who are living in the light, like you and I, I think we don't, don't age. Like there's something about living, creating a light body, being in a light body. We're living in a quantum reality and a quantum frequency. and just it it's 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 funny like i feel not ageless but i mean i'm 42 and i don't even really understand what that number refers to anyway like i'm i feel just as vibrant as i more more vibrant than i did when i was in my 20s and 30s so it's it's an interesting it's an interesting concept but this yeah don't drinking alcohol like was a game changer but back to back to this heart voice concept and and that term and why it resonated with me so much as someone that's been on the spiritual journey and like meditates and have, has done all the things to like kind of honestly like ascend, you know, I have a deep connection to my star family, my spirit guides, my ascended masters, my ancestors. Like I, for the longest time loved leaving my body and leaving earth to get the codes, to get the downloads. And it wasn't until just a year and a half ago when I started working with a new teacher who's like, no, Jessica, it's all about being in the body and to ground and to root here in Gaia. And that's our real job as light workers to be that bridge and to not escape. Cause in many ways, my spiritual path was an attempt to escape, just getting kind of free from the pain and the duality that it is to be here on, on this planet. And this idea of heart voice for me and, and the way you just described it, is about really dropping into your body and listening. You know, I, I call it the higher self or my light body. And when I think of that vibration, it's up there, but the heart voice is within. And to learn that your body, your intuition, you know, is a, is a vibration that comes from being present and grounded and conscious of this moment that you have in this current 3D reality. And so I really wanted to reflect that, that it really touched me because it's the work that I've been doing and you just gave it a name. It was really cool to read. Thank you. I'm glad you resonated with it. Yeah, I did. I did. I resonated with a lot in your book. I want to, I want to talk about this, this concept. It also really touched me of this idea of no throw. There are no throwaway moments. Mm. It's a principle of spiritual minimalism. And you've had such an eclectic life story, nomadic journey, like the way that your life is sort of, you know, I was sort of envisioning like a flower of life and how all the concentric circles sort of churn and, and come back and nothing really was an accident. And, and it's, it's the way that I live my life, but you just phrased it and wrote about it in such a tangible way. So I'd love for you to break down what you mean when you say that there are no throwaway moments as a core principle of being a spiritual minimalist. When I write about concepts like this, no throwaway moments, and I say things like everything is happening for us, not to us. These are these spiritual tropes, yep. which, which resonate with, with many of us, many of your listeners. 
we can't say that they are uh, undisputable facts of life because nobody really knows. Nobody knows that reincarnation is a thing. Nobody really knows if karma is a thing. Nobody really knows if we have spirits, if we're actually spiritual beings having a human experience. Nobody really, you can't say that until fact. you get to see what happens after you're no longer here, right? No, you can't say that for a fact. But you also can't say it's not the case either. <laughs> no one can say for a fact that that's not what's happening. So in a way, we get to choose, we get to choose which, which belief system that we want to adopt. And what I recommend by suggesting that there are no throwaway moments is that if you choose that belief system, it can empower you in a way that you wouldn't feel empowered and you wouldn't feel present if you treated life as though there are some moments that are just random and arbitrary and there are some moments that are meaningful. So the moments where you're speaking to a celebrity are meaningful. The moments where you find some money on the ground are meaningful, but the moments where you're speaking to a homeless person or the moments where you're, you know, in between assignments at work, those are not as meaningful. And I make the argument that they're all meaningful and that there are opportunities and moments of, of insight that are available to us. Mm-hmm to the degree that we can be present in those moments. So I'm not saying on the surface that if you try to find some meaning in something, you're going to find meaning. That's not what I'm saying at all. But if you are uh, cultivating as much presence as possible, the meaning will find you. (laughs) And it's kind of like that, that magic, you know, the magic eye puzzles where it looks like you're staring at some wallpaper or something. And then, eventually a shape will appear from the background. That's kind of what it's like when you're present, you find that, that insights, epiphanies, as they find you. And those, those epiphanies oftentimes are aligned with the things that you ultimately want to do anyway in life, the things you've always seen for yourself in life. And, and it's going to be something that is probably going to take you out of your comfort zone a bit, which means you can't sit on the couch all day scrolling and watching Netflix and live a life of your purpose. (laughs) You're going to have to get up and probably do things you don't feel like doing, such as going to the gym, eating healthier, Mm -hmm. maintaining stronger relationships, which means being more honest with yourself and with others, being more authentic and doing the little things when nobody's watching, that's going to help you stretch your potential. But when you are driven by the inspiration from having seen these shapes and these insights and these epiphanies that are appearing out of the chaos, the apparent chaos, then it's going to drive you to keep going. Cause most of that journey, you're going to have to go alone. No one's going to go with you because we're all busy doing our own thing, following our own path. Mm-hmm. And so you have to get comfortable with discomfort of being on your own, which is another principle of the book. I want to double click into this because I talk about this stuff all the time. And, you know, you said, I think at one point, like in that chapter about no throw throwaway moments that you get to see that every day on this earth is a miracle is its own miracle. And I was like, yeah, this dude is, this dude is creating the new earth. Like this is what I'm really here to teach people too. And yet, like not yet, the period in a sentence, there's this life happening for you versus to you. And you you talk about blessings versus curses and how if we really 
practice the spiritual perspective, everything is actually a blessing, even if it feels like a curse. And I have been, you know, not often, but by certain people that like don't fully, fully grasp these spiritual perspectives, you know, that it's, it can sometimes seem like spiritual bypass or like toxic positivity, which I, I hate that term, but I guess it has merit, but easy to say these things. It's easy to read it in a book, but like sometimes life just smacks you in the face and it's painful and it's not easy and it's hard to look at things as blessings when, you know, tragic. And so I just would love your point of view because you mentioned like spiritual tropes. And I think that it's really important as spiritual teachers to make sure that we're grounding in the, in the truth that this, and not that, you know, you're not, or I'm not, but just people I think who are dipping their toe into this space that are curious about joining this, being a part of the spiritual journey themselves, how, how they can sort of not convolute the two. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, I think the real issue is that we look at it, we're looking at it in a way that disempowers us. And if you see it in isolation in that way, then it can seem like punishment and it does feel toxic to be positive. Although I don't subscribe to toxic positivity or that label of positive. I think you should be more positive. You should try to be more positive because Retweet. there are a lot, there's a lot of pain and suffering in life. And really the only thing that can get you through it with your head up is to be positive. And here's the thing with that statement, right? I guess what's the opposite of toxic positivity is this acceptable negativity. Like, <laughs> that's, to that's toxic too. Negativity is toxic. It's more toxic than positivity is. And it, it affects your brain, your body, your mental, physical, emotional health to be negative more often than not. And so it's been shown that being positive, seeing the bright side, finding the silver lining, forcing yourself to be grateful, celebrating whatever you're experiencing can produce very high quality endorphins and bliss chemicals into your body, which helps the body to restore itself and to create a better physical version of, of you. Okay. So that's one point. Mm -hmm. I think that a healthy way to move through life in general is that when things get difficult, which they often do, um, to understand that you're training, you're being trained for, for your mission. Like, let's just say I have a, let's say I have a mission here on this planet. Whoever you are, just, just thinking in terms of mission, you're on a mission. Okay. Now think about this. If you're a Navy SEAL, for instance, you're special forces, right? You're the highest level military. In order to become that person who can, who can perform these tasks with excellence in the most treacherous of environments, they have to train in the most treacherous of environments. So they're out there carrying boats over their head, you know, with, with, uh, while chafing and tired and sleepless, hungry, starving, right. And then floating in ice cold waters and all this crazy stuff that normal people just wouldn't, would never volunteer to do, but they're doing this because they're mission focused. And that's what they're thinking about as they're going through this. Like there's going to be a time in this career where I'm going to have to perform a duty that I'm not going to feel like doing. I'm going to be tired. I'm going to be hungry. I'm going to be sleep deprived. I'm going to be feel weak and I still have to perform perform. Failure is not an option. And so if we kind of take that approach and I'll use an example, that's a little bit more relatable. Like if you played sports in school and your coach had you run suicides so you're running from one end of the gym to the other end and back and forth and you're exhausted, you're cramping, you want to vomit, right? 
But you have to, the only way to get through that is to be mission focused and to understand that there's going to be a game where you're going to have the ball and everybody's expecting you to perform. And these suicides that are helping you build your cardiovascular strength are actually going to help you to have your finest hour when it counts the most. So when we're going through our version of the suicide, whether it is dealing with a difficult relationship or, you know, having a rejection that we have to navigate these kinds of things, that's preparing you for something. It's helping you learn patience. It's helping you learn how to become resourceful. It's helping you to be present in the midst of whatever suffering you happen to be experienced. And it may have nothing to do with what's currently going on around you. It could be preparation for when you have a family, when you have kids, when you don't have the luxury of making a lot of mistakes, when the margin of error is razor thin and you have to be, you have to perform. It has to be your finest hour in order to make or break whatever situation you happen to be in. And because you've gone through it several times before, you're better equipped to go through it again in in that moment when it counts the most. So that's how I personally like to look at those situations. I don't think anybody's immune from suffering or from having to navigate pain or, you know, rejection. But if you can sort of reframe the experience as, oh, this is preparing me for my mission. I find that it's a little bit easier. It's a little less difficult when you get to those moments down the line where you really have to step up and perform. I want to hug you right now. (laughs) Everything you just said is so, it speaks to my soul. I have my new book coming out. I told you there's a chapter called mission and it has Mm -hmm. everything to do just the analogy of that Navy seal, right? We are, I call us light warriors. We're here for the fight of light to make this world a better frequency and a higher vibration more inclusive, more loving. And it starts with us. And that journey to get there, we have to go through, not around. And that it's just preparation. Every moment that you suffer, micro or macro, is if there's a bigger why as to what you're really here to do. At least that's what I believe. So thank you for that reflection. It spoke to my soul. And, you know, the book that you wrote really challenges in a beautiful way for us to be those light warriors and to, to reframe, I think a lot of self-limiting beliefs around, you know, I loved the chapter on you, you know, give what you want. And this conversation on abundance, we talk a lot about money on my show. And I heard many years ago when I was first building my career, someone said to me, you know, Jessica, there's no such thing as a free lunch. And I kind of hated that term. I was like, well, what do you mean? Like so many things should be free, like love connection, you know, support the desire to serve like that is, that is free. And I think I was at a, at a meeting with, um, a big potential client and they, they brought out all this like fancy food at this office and it was free. And I remember thinking like, okay, yeah, there's a lot of like money and preparation that went into like serving this, this meal for us to close the deal that will have, you know, a monetary sort of upside for, for both parties. But this was sort of what they had to do. And it was transactional in that way. And you really break down the concept of free lunch in, I think it was in that chapter. And I would love for you, for those that haven't read the book and you will all go want to read it after, after this episode, but from a spiritual minimalist perspective, can you define what that term means that there's no such thing as a free lunch? 
Sure. Yeah. It's a great, great example. You choose about that business meeting, but yeah, it just means that everything has a value to it. And that value is either forced upon you or you can choose a value that, in other words, you're choosing an exchange. You're basically having, you're stating a healthy boundary for yourself. And I'll just give you a couple of examples to illustrate what I mean. So one example is if you have to take a flight, let's say you're flying from Chicago to Los Angeles and you go on to the, you know, go online and look at different options. And let's say one ticket is $99 it's on Spirit Airlines <laughs> and the other ticket is $300 and that's on Delta. Okay. These are not sponsors of this conversation. We're just using nope. that as an example. And let's say that Spirit Airline flight connects through um, Las Vegas and it takes 10 hours to get from Chicago to Los Angeles and versus the Delta flight, which is nonstop, which takes, you know, uh, two hours to get there. So on the surface, it looks like the Delta ticket is more expensive, but actually from a spiritual minimalist perspective, the spirit airlines flight is more expensive because it's occupying more of your time. So you have to ask yourself, okay, what's your time worth? There's a value to your time. There's a value to sitting in the Las Vegas airport, eating bad quality food and, you know, drinking high priced water and not being able to work properly during, maybe it's a weekday, what have you. Delta has free Wi-Fi on their, on their two hour flight, nonstop flight. So it's just about looking at all the different variables and, you know, let's say it's an overnight flight. Let's say the Spirit Airlines was nonstop, but it's it's overnight. Let's say it doesn't leave until one o'clock in the morning. And it gets there at three o'clock in the morning. OK, you're missing a night of sleep. How much is that worth? Let's say you have business decisions to make the next day. Now you're sleep deprived. So now you're making poor quality decisions. What's the value of that? So when you factor in all of those costs, it may turn out that the Spirit Airlines flight is actually a thousand dollars and the Delta flight is only $300. So by taking the Delta flight, you're saving yourself $700 in poor decision-making versus the Spirit Airlines flight, which looks like it's only a hundred bucks, but actually it's $900 more when you factor everything in. And then another example, if you're on the road and you decide, okay, I'm going to stay with my friend. They offer me a free place to stay. I get to save a hundred dollars from not having to book a hotel room. But let's say your friend is very um, needy. Yeah. <laughs> let's say that they always, you know, are talking about their problems. They keep you up late at night. They don't have strong boundaries. You know, they're knocking on your door two in the morning because they just had a bad conversation with their girlfriend or boyfriend, and they need to talk to you about it. And again, you have a big busy day ahead. You have to make important decisions for your life. So you have to ask yourself, what's the value of my sleep? And so when you factor all that in, it may turn out that booking that $100 hotel room is actually less expensive than, than accepting the free room with your friend who's going to keep you up all night talking about their problems, or they're expecting you to clean up or to cook dinner or, you know, to, to extend yourself in a way that maybe you don't have the time, the energy, or the inclination to do. So when you look at all of these 
situations objectively and be honest with yourself about, okay, what's the, what's the exchange here? Then you can properly evaluate the costs of everything and you can make a more informed choice for yourself. And it's not about judging anyone. It's just about, it's about being honest. Yeah. And holding your own value and having sovereignty, you know, like really clear self-sovereignty, which is one of my favorite, favorite words. And it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean don't stay with your friend. It may mean that you have to communicate to your friend ahead of time. Hey, normally I wouldn't mind staying up with you, but I have a really busy day tomorrow. So I have to get there and go to sleep. Is that okay with you? Ask for permission. Is that okay with you? We do that. Can we establish that boundary? And if they are wishy-washy about it, then you know, okay, it's not, they're not the problem. It just means that that's the cost and I need to go stay at the hotel. Yeah. It's an abundant mindset towards yourself and what your time and energy is worth, which is beautiful. And you said in the book, we don't, I loved this line. You said, we don't create abundance. Abundance is already there. We either create access or limitations to it. And, you know, this idea of giving what you want and want is more money, but we don't have a lot of money. If we want love in our lives, but we don't feel love for ourselves. If we want, you know, more opportunities, but we don't, we don't feel like they're coming. Like this conversation of giving what you want, no matter what is another principle that has an abundance mindset to it. And I'd love for you to, to break that down. And again, a lot of my listeners are like, we talk a lot about money on my show. And I love talking about the the energy of money and the frequency around it. And your approach from this spiritual minimalist perspective was really, really a cool, fresh take. Yeah. When it comes to business, entrepreneurship, capitalism, a lot of us, you know, we, we are, we're on social media and we see people making a lot of money or appears to be a lot of money really quickly. And of course we want to do that as well. So we start thinking to ourselves, well, maybe all I have to do is create an online course and I can do a subscription model and I can charge this and did it going through the whole litany of things we can do, but we haven't asked ourselves the most important question. What value can I give to others? And it's like what Zig Ziglar said, you can have anything you want as long as you show other people how to do that, how to get more of what they want. You have to give value and then all the other stuff is secondary, the subscription model and which platform you're going to build it on and how are you going to market it on social media? That's all secondary once you start giving value. And so we want to, we want to stop putting the cart before the horse when it comes to that. It's not to say that it can't work if you just focus on, you know, putting some crap out there and building a whole marketing machine around it. But are you going to feel fulfilled about that? Yeah. And because the way you do anything is the way you do everything. So we want to look, take the long view on all of this. You know, again, it's, it's, uh, this is going back to the Navy sales example. This is why they have the bell. You know, the bell is where somebody decides this is just way too much effort for, for the payoff of being able to be on my mission. And so they have the person come out and they're, they're persuading them, ring the bell. You have to ring. They're not going to ring the bell for them, but by ringing the bell, you're signal, you're signaling that you're quitting. This is too much. You don't want to be on this mission. This is not the mission for you. And when we're, when we're um, trying to focus on the, the wrong things, things that are not necessarily aligned, 
we're, we're focusing on the, the ego part, which is how, how can I look the best? How can I feel smart? Cause that's ultimately why you're doing it. You're doing it so you can, you can brag about the fact that you were able to go from this amount to that amount within a certain amount of time. That's not your spirit doesn't care about that. And you have to understand that that's not what your heart voice cares about at all. All your heart, vo- all your heart voice cares about is are you on mission or are you not on mission. And so in order to do that, you have to prepare for the mission, which means you have to take the long view and you got to put yourself through the training so that you can stretch your into the vision that you have always had for yourself. And that doesn't come easy. There's no scenario where that's going to come easy for you. But oddly enough, and ironically, that is the minimalist approach, (laughs) because once you become self-sufficient in that way, you don't need all these other things. If your business is successful because you only have good marketing, but you haven't been helping people, then that business, as soon as the marketing algorithm changes, you're not going to have a business anymore. Yeah. Versus if you have a business that truly legitimately helps people, yes, the algorithms are going to change. Yes, the, the way people advertise things are going to change, but your business is going to always be able to bounce back because there's a value to that. And that's where you're going to find the most fulfillment is in service and providing people with value. And if you look at anybody's path or purpose, there's an element of service associated with that and not just marketing. So true. It's so true. It's everything that I, I been preaching for seven years and just boiled it down. So, so beautifully. And it's really makes people come back. It's really what is the true root of a sustainable business is making people feel like they got more than what they paid for and that they feel seen, they feel loved, they feel heard, they feel empowered, they feel clear. That's got to be the root of every product message launch course you ever create. And to have that be your come from is that abundant, true abundant mindset. And I really appreciated that. You you speak about, I love, I loved your story about, you know, where you started with, I think, fancy condo or, or apartment in Venice few years back, you got rid of everything, like speaking of material minimalism, and you boiled it all down to a carry-on, started in a nomadic life. Then you took that carry-on and you boiled it down to like a handbag or some, something even smaller. And you got really precise on like the tw- a tote bag. A tote bag. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tote bag for you, handbag for me. And, um, and you're like 22 items and each chapter kind of like speaks to like, here's the item to really bring this in a minimalist, spiritual minimalist way into the world. And so one of my questions for you is, you know, I want everyone to go read the book, but if you were to say like, what are your top three things in that bag and why? The top three things that I carry in my backpack. That's a good question. I'm at a point now in my journey where I could pretty much get by without any of those things yeah. <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you. But the things that are, are unique to me are my meditation teaching kit, which is a whole puja kit. If you go to India and you go to any of the temples, a lot of times you'll see a puja um, altar set up with bowls and trays and pictures of gurus and rice and things like that. So I carry all that around with and it on the surface. It looks like the most unnecessary thing <laughs> If you're going to, you only have a backpack and right. 20% of that is occupied by an altar. Like a non-essential <laughs> quote unquote. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this doesn't get more non-essential than that. But to me, that's the most valuable thing that I possess because 
it's the thing that allows me to have the biggest impact on the people that I'm able to work with personally. And it's something I've been doing for 15 years now. And it's the thing that inspired me to go on my mission is when I learned from my teacher, my meditation teacher, who I met in 2003, he taught me through this same process. And so I wouldn't, we wouldn't be having this conversation had I not had that experience. So it's kind of like, you know, that's a part of my mission and that, that, and that, and that is everything else is an extension of that, you know? And so I'm still making, allowing myself to be in service to that part of the mission. It's not the the whole thing that I do, but it's a significant part of it for myself. So that, that is unique to me. You're not going to find that in anybody else's backpack. And then I, and then as an extension of that, I have a meditation shawl that I use that I'm actually going to be giving away tomorrow. What? As yeah, as a pre-order sort of bonus wow. for my book. Wow, very cool. I, I, I'm doing a giveaway of all the items I've been carrying with me except for my puja kit. I'll replace them. I don't know how or when yet, but you know, I thought it'd be kind of cool to pass some of these items along to others so they can they can uh share in the joy that I've infused into these items. Brilliant. So so there's that. And then I would say the thing that I use the most from my bag is my, is my reusable water bottle. You actually speak about the power of water and the, the medicinal multifaceted benefits of water. I'd love for you to break that down, actually. And, and the importance of not drinking out of plastic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we all agree that we, we want to be drinking more water. <laughs> If you're healthy or you're you're inclined towards better health, um, usually one of the one of the key components of that protocol is to drink more water to become more hydrated. And I'll tell you just one reason why I personally like having water around with me is because I'm a big tea drinker. Mm-hmm. I am obsessed with green tea, and I also have the occasional cup of coffee. And people don't realize that things like coffee and tea can stain your teeth even more so than wine. So water is a really great uh, cleansing agent for if you just swish some water around in your mouth after having um, your tea or your coffee, Mm -hmm. it can actually keep your teeth whiter than they would be otherwise. Just having water, you don't need to add anything else to it. Now, the other thing is if you want to, sprinkle a little salt in your water, then you have a instant form of electrolyte, yeah. which can help you to hydrate a lot better. So this latest science is saying that the body doesn't absorb plain water as much as we think. And if we add just a little bit of salt to it, then it increases the chances of, of it absorbing the water. And if you can hydrate, guess what? You don't need to spend as much money on that skin cream that you've been, you know, buying for a small fortune. Yep. Water causes your skin to naturally become more vibrant and to glow a lot more and and has anti-aging properties. And so we can keep going down the list, but yeah, there are all kinds of, of wonderful benefits from just having more water in your system, digestion, um, you know, topical, everything. Minimizes hangriness. Hangriness, yeah. And then the plastic bottle thing, I think the latest statistic I had in my book was if you laid all the bottles that we use on a, on a daily basis end to end on planet earth. It would like circle the earth, you know, 30 times or something crazy like that. So we'd say to ourselves, Oh, it's just one little bottle. It's just, you know, 
not that big of a deal, but it takes 500 years to decompose. And there's a lot of people who have that same attitude. So it adds up. I read that in your book. I, and I thought about like our poor oceans and just the ecology of our planet and like, you know. Well, the oceans will be fine. The planet's going to be fine for us. <laughs> We're not going to be fine. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so true. The, the planet, the planet has all the time in the world. In a, in a billion years, there will be no trace of humans that humans have ever existed on planet earth, but we're going to have, we're creating, you know, pure hell for ourselves. Yeah, true that it gives the, the, the gravity of being a spiritual minimalist and a light warrior, if you will, a lot of, a lot of context and meaning, you know, your book was, mm-hmm. was truly, truly phenomenal. Like I really want to encourage everyone listening to go buy it, you know, to put, to put your, self in a book and, and the process of writing it. I mean, I know from my own experience, there's really nothing like it. And it's, um, a beautiful, a beautiful thing that you've shared with the world. So I'm going to encourage everyone to go buy it. We'll leave a link in the show notes to, to purchase the copy and get, get into being a spiritual minimalist yourself. And I know, God, this, this conversation went by so fast. I want to, you know, just get it. We'll tell everyone where to follow you and get involved in your work. And we'll link to all of that stuff too. But I do have one last question for you. I'm sad. It's my last mm-hmm. question. I could talk to you forever. The, the concept of simply be, you know, it's the name of my podcast. It's the name of my business. I have a little tattoo on my wrist that was inspired, you know, the whole thing. It has a lot of meaning to me clearly, but I don't think that those two words are just a podcast name or a business name or a tattoo. I think they have layers as a, as a mantra, if you will. So I'd love to know what those two words mean to you. Hmm. That's a good question. What's coming to me now when you ask that question is to tell yourself the truth. Mm. I think it was a movie that departed with, you know, directed by Martin Scorsese with Mark Wahlberg and, and Matt Damon and Leonardo DiCaprio. And Leonardo DiCaprio plays this undercover cop who's so deep in, there's no record of him even being an undercover cop. And in order to prepare him for that, um, the, the people playing the detectives and his, his higher up said, look, you can lie to everybody else, but the most important thing is that you don't lie to yourself. That, that that's, you have to be honest with yourself and we have to see that you can be honest with yourself in order to fully play this role. And you could make the argument that we're here playing a role. You know, again, we're humans having this, this, or there were spirits having this human experience. We're playing the role of humans and we have identifying characteristics, which are very, makes it seem very real. Everything, the stakes are very high. And, um, and so that requires us to perform, you know, in certain ways in order to do the things that we're here to do. But at the end of the day, there's more than just what's happening here on planet earth. Mm-hmm. And we want to tap into that part of ourselves that allows us to remember this. And, and that, you know, that happens through stillness practices, gratitude practices and things like that. And so the degree to which we can do that is the degree to which we can be honest with ourselves about what else is happening. Yes, I'm having this human experience. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, it doesn't feel good. And um, this is not all I am. I'm also more than this. And I tell a story in a book called The Lonely Wave, mm-hmm. where the wave, the small wave that's intimidated by the bigger waves learns the practice of de-exciting and merging with the ocean. And 
from having that oceanic experience, it realizes that it's actually connected to all of the other waves. So that's what simply being means to me is, is being, being, putting ourselves in position to, to be reminded of our true nature. And then from there acting honestly. Thank you for that. That hits. Thanks for the question. So that was awesome. This has been amazing. You're just mm. so, I'm so grateful to, to know you now and to have had you on my show. When you came through my emails, like Light Watkins, of course, of course, I want to talk to you. And I want you on my podcast as well. Will you come on? Of course I'll come on. Let's definitely talk about that. And I'm coming to LA in a few weeks. If you're there, we should, we should try and meet up. I'm going to go to Agape. So maybe we can go together. Nice. <laughs> well, where can everyone, where can everyone get involved in your work? Tell us the socials, the programs, the YouTube, the email list, like where is the best place to go learn all about you? My hub is my website, lightwatkins.com. And they can find everything from there. Podcasts, online community, retreats, trainings, books, and, and then my socials. My socials are also at lightwatkins. Yes. Well, thank you for blessing me and my audience today with your wisdom, with your spiritual perspective, but most of all, your light. You really are. You are living it and happy to know you now. Thank you so much.